Hi everyone, it's Tom Panos here. I've got with me an icon in real estate, Greg Hocking. That name is known when you talk about real estate in Melbourne. And today we've got 20 minutes together, Greg. Thanks, Tom. Hocking Stewart, you leave, resurface, Greg Hocking many years later. Mm-hmm. Persistence. Persistence, yeah, that's a key word. Um, I asked you before we went on air, one of the most important qualities of successful real estate agents, is it persistence? It has to be, no question. I mean, um, you take a lot of hits in this business. Um, as Ron Barassi said, it's not sometimes how, how, um, you can, how, how hard you can hit, but sometimes how hard you can take a hit. Okay. So our viewers, a lot of them are outside of Melbourne, a lot are in Melbourne, but the story is Hocking Stewart, you're Greg Hocking from Hocking Stewart. You sold out what year? Uh, 2007. 2007. You took three years or four Forced years? Forced retirement for three years, uh, non-compete. Yeah. Which, uh, did to the letter and then um, was free to uh, have another swing in 2010. Which what prompted you to have another swing? Uh, oh, look, it's, it was, uh, I think, um, unfinished business, really, as it turned out. There's a story behind why we sold and what, what happened and what unfolded at the time. Um, that's not for today, but uh, um, I wasn't uh, clearly ready to, to hang up uh, hang up my boots. So I felt that uh, after about 18 months, uh, it was time to, to refashion business, look at what the, the journey that we travelled, um, look at the, the business model that we had enjoyed, looked at what was good, looked at what didn't work as well, refashion it and have another go. And you've come back, and we say another go, we're talking, you're now at seven offices. That's right. Okay, and they're all in inner Melbourne? Yes. Okay, what do you do in those seven offices? Are you, you're the CEO? Uh, yes, well, it's, it's a, a different uh, business structure. We have uh, uh, various partners in, in various um, business entities, um, and uh, myself and uh, Bruce Warburton are in the franchise business. And uh, we have uh, interests in various offices as well. But essentially, we're running a franchise model. Do you list and sell? Every day. You like it? Uh, I'd love it. I'm having a ball. Um, the cut and thrust down here is, is razor sharp, absolutely razor sharp, and you have to be on top of your game. Uh, we're winning business, we lose business. As long as you're winning more than you're losing, you're in front, and that's yeah. the way I've always seen it. Uh, I like to be a little bit further <laughs> than just in front. But... Uh, it's something that starting up a new business with limited capital, which we did, uh, not because that was the way we wanted to do it, that's all that was required. We became cash flow positive fairly quickly. Um, but uh, clearly, listing and selling and ringing the till is what it's all about. Greg, is it hard a second time around? Uh, it was interesting for me because I had 15 years out of this cut and thrust. Um, not, not all of the tools that are deployed today were at my fingertips in terms of usability because I had to come back in from a fairly rough and tumble 15 years ago to a very sophisticated way that businesses run today. Uh, when I'm talking about businesses, this is individuals in the industry. Yeah. How they run their personal business as a, as, a, as a list and sell salesperson. They're pretty sharp. Um, all of the communication uh, opportunities, um, all the online opportunities, I had to really brush up. Yeah, because, um, Greg, what we're seeing is... In 2014, 
Salespeople can actually run a, a, a pretty big business as a salesperson in an office, isn't there? Which we, we never saw that. In, in the old days, you didn't have a $1 million rider with two assistants there doing their own thing, uh, and that's common now, isn't it? Yeah, and, it's, it's, and, the, and the opportunities are boundless under, under a brand, but as, as uh, has been said many times before, people are virtually becoming brands within brands, and uh, uh, the attraction is to the individual. Uh, Greg, you've had a really good helicopter view of what makes a salesperson good uh, because you've employed many, you've managed many now, and your days at Hocking Stewart, and more importantly, your days now at Greg Hocking. What are the three qualities that come to mind of a good salesperson? Um, first and foremost, it's enthusiasm. Um, if they're enthusiastic about their career or the opportunity that they're granted to become a salesperson or, or take on a real estate career, and they act like a sponge and just take it all in, sift the, sift the good from the bad, they've got the ability to do it, you know, intuitive is another attribute, but uh, enthusiasm first and foremost, because without that, you're shot. If it's just a job, you're gone. Right, so essentially saying you've got to love it. Yeah. Like, enthusiasm, you know, runs into being passionate about it and so forth. But with all of the hours you have to put in and, and the, uh, the excitement, the, the highs and the lows, the peaks and the troughs, you have to be consistent about your enthusiasm for the, for the, for the job. Anything else? Is that, is that enough? Can enthusiasm get you through? Well, as I've already touched on, pers- persistence. I mean, enthusiasm is one thing, but if you're not persistent... Um, then you, it's just you're not going anywhere. You have to, and persistence is, is something that uh, also runs into a lot of other avenues. Um, uh, the sacrifices you have to make with your personal time to be successful. You can't just say, "Sorry, it's knock off time. I'll, I'll look at that deal again tomorrow." You have to make that sacrifice. The good people. What sort of hours do they work? Um, well, it's it's limitless. But I th- I think most people, if they're going to structure their day, they have to be into the office early. Um, and be prepared to, to finish whatever time is required to, but you've got to be doing a 10-hour you know, day at least. Right. Uh, Greg, you're saying what you've seen second time around, the sophistication level has improved, Comp- competition at a salesperson level has improved. Uh, in the old days, what you're saying is... If you were a little bit better, you could stand out and you didn't have to be too much better, but now everyone's good. That's right. And, and the cut-through of what you have to deliver has to be pretty, pretty sharp. You have to be right on your game. You have to be not only a good salesperson and a people person and personable and, and, and somebody that uh, somebody's enjoy meeting and, and relating to, but you also have to be very professional and you have to know your product. You have to know your market. You have to be able to convey that to people, give them confidence and place, get them to place the trust in you that you want. And all of those things, it's interesting, you've got to, sometimes that is in an interview like this, you've got that half an hour with a potential client and how do you convey all those items? But the, the best people that I've seen are the intuitive ones that just ask the questions and respond to the questions. They don't keep on drilling. And I've sat in, it's interesting being back at the coalface, I've sat closing sales recently, the salespeople who just don't shut up. And they ask a question and they come straight over the top of the client. I, you know, I'm almost back to kicking them under the table to say, for Christ's sake, just button it. Right. Okay, and that's uh, an interesting thing because I'm convinced that 
uh, being a curious person is a good thing in sales, and curious people are normally quieter because they're, they're interested to see what the other person's going to say, whereas a lot of fast-talking salespeople, as you say, talk themselves out of sales. They might talk straight past the point of sale. Can I ask, at the listing presentation, when you go, do you think that it's achievable to sign it up on the first go? I say to our salespeople, do as little as possible to get that listing. Do as little as possible. Elaborate, elaborate. As little as possible. If you can walk in well prepared, lay the groundwork before you arrive, if you walk in extremely well prepared, you have all, all of the material available to list it on the spot, that's as little as possible. You've walked in, you've listed on the spot and walked out of the listing. It may be, and I've had it done it myself, I've followed listings up for 10 years and listed it. That was as little as possible in that instance. So it may be anything from walk in and sign it up to multiple follow-up, 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 do everything right to list it ultimately. But in that instance, that was as little as possible. Right. So don't go in expecting that it's part of the dog and pony show and the beauty parade um, and that you're at the door and the next person's in and you're at the, they're at the door and the next person's in and now it's a, a phone battle and a text battle and an email battle to do the follow-up and will they answer the phone? Are they calling you back? Are they not calling you back? What are the signs? Are you getting positive feedback? Are you not? Why go through all that headache? If you can walk in and sign it up, do you go in first? Do you go in second? Do you go in last? How do you try and position yourself? Are you better in first or are you better in last? You're certainly not better at going in second, I can tell you. Right. Can I ask, what do you prefer, first or last? If I can organise it, last. Right. Okay. Why? Because we're edu- we go in with our spiel. We're educating the potential client. They, they come in cold. They just think, well, everybody tells me I should get three agencies. So they bang away on the phone. The, the, the receptors are up, they're, they're looking for signs, it might be boards, it might be ads in the paper, they might be going through the, the websites, who looks like they're doing the business, if they aren't, aren't being advised to, friends say you should speak to so-and-so, whatever it is, they get the three agency. They haven't sold for seven years, which we're told often, so that's the case. So what are they? So by the time they spoke to the first person, uh, they've got a bit of knowledge, they've got a bit of an understanding of what's going on. By the time they spoke to the next person, they've got a balance from the first person to the second person, and they've got yeah, maybe differing views, but they're starting to evolve a picture. By the time you come in, you've got all of that hard work that the predecessors have put into this potential vendor to your benefit. They've already got an idea on fees. They've already got an idea on advertising programs or a variety of same. They've got a little bit of an idea on personality types. Who do we like? Do we like this person or that person? And that still has a big bearing on listing. Cheap likability. Look, okay, it's, it's, un- it's underestimated, isn't it? I mean, because in, in buying, people buy property, but in listing, it's they buy you, don't they? Absolutely. And I, look, a real-world example, um, my, uh, my mother passed away um, last year with, with, with tidying up her estate, and guess what? We call them three agents. And the three agents come in and, and, and go through the, the, the motions and I had my brother and sister there. And afterwards, I, I'd made my decision. And afterwards I said, who out of those people um, did you feel most comfortable with? And they said, Agent B. And that was the one that I... Can I, can I ask you, what, what, what did they like about that person? It, um, 
one came in a little bit too light-hearted, a bit glib, a little bit sort of bubbly, and and yet not concentrating on the main game, which was how how are we going to sell this property? What are you going to do for us? Um, the the next agent came in, um, a very professional fellow, but brought in interestingly enough, brought in the area uh, or the uh, I interpret as the farm person for that particular area, who I just didn't relate to straight away. And we were virtually told that this would be the person that handles the sale. Now, the principal came in, no problem, but the person who we were going to be um, dealing with didn't relate to. And yet the next fellow came in with a a more mature assistant, um, a mature fellow, my brother and sister are older than I am, so he's dealing at our level, so to speak. And immediately there was a relationship you could see building on that and working on that, but stayed on song, stayed on the theme, stayed, you know, light as, as agents are, but um, kept on going back to what they're going to do, how they're going to do it, um, timing, um, what's, what's relevant, what isn't relevant, presentation um, tips and all that sort of thing. Simple. Okay, so I think it's really important because it's, it's a fine line, isn't it? Because every listing presentation is going to be different because you're dealing with a different person, but at the same time, you're saying this person stayed on song, stayed on track. So whilst the listing presentation will be different, the structure will be the same, and that is you're trying to get to an outcome, isn't it? And that is right. to get picked. And it's interesting too, and, and you know, you have to be a chameleon in this business. You have to change your spots to, to suit your surroundings. You don't change the surroundings to suit you. Um, so you can, can I ask you, on that point, is that learnable? Or is, are people born that way? Uh, some will be born that way and others will learn it. Right. Uh, and and it's, it's a, you learn it because you have to learn it. And if you don't learn it, you're going to be at a severe disadvantage and you will keep on losing out. In this instance, um, we've got the three of us together. My brother's busy, my sister's busy, I'm busy uh, at the family home. And it was a one-go show. It was a one-shot. You know, you had to really come in. And if these guys understood that, they had to come in and give it their best shot on the spot then that's how they're going to win the business. Or Okay, but that, Greg, to me, that is the kind of listing presentation that happens sometimes where three people come in, it's zero, 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 all three are on equal ground. But in fact, real estate today in 2014 is quite different where a lot of the times the listing decision is actually made before you walk into a presentation because people are judging you well, beyond, well before the day you walk in, isn't it? They're judging you at an open house. Mm. They're judging your ads. They sort of know who the agent is before the agent walks in, isn't yeah, it? And there's all sorts of subplots. Um, you know, they've been told to use agent A because um, their friends had a good good uh, outcome with them. Um, you don't know that when you're coming in as agent B, for instance. Um, an agent C certainly doesn't know that either, but you think you're on a level playing field, but you're not. Um, they may have already decided we want to go with agent A, but we're now going to do a check with B and C. Yeah, uh, because you know we don't want to get uh, stiffed on fees and, and advertising programs yeah. unnecessarily. We want some balance in our decision. So there's a whole lot of subplots that are always going on, and, and yet from time to time they're just genuine people, just genuinely wanting to get some information to make a balanced decision. So there is no really hidden agenda. So you just don't know at the end of each phone call when you're invited in or you've managed to get yourself an opportunity. So. But you have to go in there with a winning mentality. You have to go in there to say, this is winnable. And if I win this, I've won it because I've you know, obviously done, done the best you, I possibly can. You must be a good listener, Greg. Well, yeah, well, I, look, 
hopefully the record book shows. I mean, um, what makes you what makes you good? Uh, back to the word passion. You can read passion. passion. You can read the play and read. Yeah, look, trying as best we can to read the play. Um, and look, it's interesting too because getting back to that communion thing. Now, when I started out, just on the corner here, I was twenty two and appointed the sales manager of an office with most salespeople. So I thought, this is fantastic. Sat there at a bare wooden desk with a phone, and uh, that was it. No photocopier, no uh, you know, fax machine, no anything. Uh, and that's how it was back in 1978 when I started uh, right. in that office. Um, but one thing I did realise that I had to get skilled up and, and, and know the market. Uh, and a quirky little thing that I did was to look older, because in this area... You know, we're dealing with young couples in their, you know, late 20s, early 30s through to elderly people. Right. And you have to relate to the older people as you do the younger people. So how, how, how would you look older? What was Grew a beard. Right. And that worked for about eight years until um, I thought, oh, well, I don't need this anymore. Right. When we, when we started, Andrew and I started locking Stuart, Andrew went and we said, mate, that beard's got to go. And I said, like, okay, that's all right. We were 30 years of age and had a little bit of uh, credibility. So, I mean, do you... Market share. Saying that, do you think, like, a young person that's watching... The video as we um, as they may be uh, sitting down thinking about what you've just said. If they're if they're young looking and they're twenty five, is that a disadvantage for them? Today? It can be, it yeah. can be, but gently. But the way I tried to counter it, I don't know whether it was right or not, was be spot on with values and what's happening in the market. So when I walked in, they go, mm, "Who's this young fellow?" Presumably. And then I'd go rat-a-tat-tat. I'd be saying, well, the house ran in Wright Street, got whatever it was at the time, but the one ran in Richardson Street, which was better, achieved this, but we got for around here in Greg Street this price, which was better than both of those because this is what we did, da 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 right. And I'd be talking about all these things that, that they may have been looking at themselves. So I was just cut straight through and, and had to lift the game for me based on um, professionalism. Okay, people watching this video, particularly those in Victoria, will say, but Greg Hocking's Greg Hocking. He's got a brand name now. He's an attraction agent. People know of him. Um, do, you, do you feel that's the case? Do you feel that you've got an unfair advantage at listing presentations and you get caught No, out? I don't. No, I don't. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Not, not anymore because um, all the same key elements, every, every opportunity is a fresh opportunity. You know, you might... They might say, oh, yeah, it's nice to deal with Greg, but then, they, you know, the opposition goes in and says, oh, he's too busy, can't possibly handle it. Why would you give it to him? You know, I can do all this and I can do all that. So immediately I've got to deal with that as an issue. Oh, yeah, that's all very well, but, you know, Greg's made all his money. Um, what does he need to do this for? You know, just a couple of old guys, Greg and John, you know, having a bit of fun. Well, it's nothing like that. We are as competitive and sharp as you, as you like. Yeah. And we still get really cranky when we lose a listing, I can tell you. But... My attitude is lose, lose one, get two. Yeah, so it is a sign. It's a sign and quality of um, successful agents. They hate losing listings to other agents. Absolutely, absolutely. And and an odd thing that I did really from the outset, and this is this is uh, maybe an insight that uh, keep us between ourselves and (laughs) fifteen (laughs) thousand, is that I used to focus on who I'm actually in against as as an individual, not the company. I'd find out who I'm in against and know the nuances or have an understanding or a bit of an understanding of what, where this conversation is now going to go, what they'll be saying about me, what I need to do to counter about them and their organisation. And so it was all about beating not the organisation but the individual because 
we all know as salespeople how elated we get when we're on a winning roll and how deflated and flat we are when we've just been clobbered in one time after the next. It's a bit like playing football. You've lost 10 games in a row. How do you feel about going to the 11th one? Not that flash. You won 10 on the trot. You're going to the 10th, the 11th. Fantastic. On, on that issue, mental toughness, motivation level, yeah. it's important in real estate. You yeah. get from the heights of exhilaration to the depths of depression in a very short time. Can do. Phone call to phone call. Phone call. I mean, there's not many jobs, Greg, where you get a phone call and you realise that's 15 grand that's not coming to your office, that's going elsewhere because that's... Oh, I, I just, I, it, for me, it's always been uh, the turnover. The turnover will flatten out on average the, the, the average fee that you will derive. So... Um, I, I think in terms of just opportunities won and opportunities lost. And I'm not just talking about that, that, that's, that one sucker of a listing. I'm talking about all the multiplier effect that that one listing gives you, talking to more people, more opportunities to list, more opportunities to find hot, hot, hot buyers, etc., etc. So it's not just, oh, well, I've lost an average fifteen or $16,000 fee. I've lost multiple opportunities. So my, I might have lost 80000 in fee revenue. A lot at stake in our business, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So can I ask, recovering from a setback, when you're down, when you've got that phone call and say you don't have a terrible week for the rest of the week and don't drop out, is there any tips you can leave to the viewers about response and getting back up? Yeah, look, and, and look, it's happened to me, you know, obviously thousands of times over the years, uh, as it's turned out, and conversely, you know, many more thousands of times in the positive. But... Um, uh, the, the first thing is to take, it's a bit like a grieving process, take that time out to, to grieve about that lost listing. It might sound a bit odd, but that's the time you're sitting back and, and reflecting on what happened and why it happened and you know what you shouldn't have let happen next time. And sometimes you get that mirror out and look at it and you think, there's the problem. Yeah, me, I didn't make that phone call. You know, yeah. I didn't send that letter. I was going to go knock on that door. Um, that's, I'm the problem. You know, if I start to look at fixing what's in the mirror, I'm back on track again. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the things when I'm working with uh, with agents, Greg, I always say um, the two most powerful questions you can ask yourself is, what have I done that contributed to that situation, and what can I do that will contribute to better situations in the future. When you, you know, and that's really about taking responsibility. And oh, not, yeah. most, most yeah. people, Greg, will say, "Oh, we couldn't do it." The other agent did it half percent. Well, that's I didn't say, "Oh, well, because you know, the, you know, I didn't want to really." You know, that one really wasn't that important, and they're packing tickets anyway, and you know, better off the other agent hands it, and I can get on and do this. I never go down that path. Right. It's always I've lost and they've won, and that's not a good thing. And what's the learning in this? Um, I, I think it's, it is just sharpening. It's, it's just sharpening up. You, you've really got to sharpen up on what. And look, sometimes you just don't click with people, and so don't beat yourself up too much. If that was the case, you know, if you just didn't click, it just wasn't happening, and that happened from time to time. It just was the personality thing. Um, but again, you know, if, if you get a terrible phone call, get out and make some some positive ones. Get back on the horse very quickly. Do not. Wallow. I mean, it was, it was interesting when I started out here, there was an estate agent who had a good market share and we started to build up our market share and, and built and built and built and built and built. And um, we'd win listings and they used to win them and, and it's hard for them to regroup and figure out and he couldn't figure out what was going on. He got so, so head up that 
um, he used to go home and jump in his swimming pool to relax, you know, because right. <laughs> he was just so on edge. Right. He did a lot of swimming there for a while. Okay. Greg, let me ask you on, um, uh, you guys are, are reasonably good, and previously you'd built your whole business on an attraction business on vendor paid marketing yep. and lots of marketing, and you're going down that path now. Your colours have changed. You're blue. Yes. looks nice and cool. Um, you're pretty good yourself at getting vendor-paid advertising. Mm-hmm. How do you pitch it to a vendor in a marketplace that really says there's no need to do VPA, there's thousands of buyers, market's hot, databases? Yeah. I think, look, um, market-to-market sets the ground. So if you're in a market that is accepting and understanding of vendor-paid advertising, then it's the quantum of vendor-paid advertising. It's right. not the whether do we have to pay or not, it's how much, yeah, what do we have to pay. And that's where often the, the personal opinion of the client will come in. I never look at the press. Um, I always look at the press. I never look online. I always look online, you know, diverging views. I mean, clearly it's skewing a lot to the online, but um, certain property types, it is the, um, the uh, passive buyer who's not overtly banging away every night looking for their property, high-end property, but when it presents itself, there's the board, there's the local paper advertisement, there's maybe um, the, the, the mainline press advertisement, they'll respond. So, you know, you've got to get a balance right for the individual. And then it comes down to your craft. I mean, how do you sell that? Um, yeah. And clearly also, uh, it's interesting, talking to a couple from the UK the other day, uh, at a property had opened, and they said, oh, that's great, we just sold our property in the UK. And I said, oh, that's terrific. And they said, yes, after three years. It's been right. on for three years. And I'm thinking, crikey, here, if we don't sell a property on a six to seven week cycle, we're tearing our hair out. You know, yes. It's just, you know, the market's collapsed, there's nothing coming wrong here, you know, what's going on? Um, so it's a very dynamic and fast-paced marketplace here, um, which reflects badly on a result that isn't achieved in that type time frame. Yeah. yeah. How do you achieve that? What's at your disposal? What, how do you craft that sale? What's appropriate for the circumstances? That's where, that's where. Yeah. Greg, why do some people do bad in real estate? They've got, they look good. They've got everything going for them on the surface, yet they'll make $70,000, $80,000 a year in real estate for a decade, you know, we see that all the time. In fact, I would say most real estate agents across the country probably earn under a hundred. Well, the, the, the one key, one of the key words that we haven't spoken about is urgency. Right. Now, now if you're a salesperson, you've got to create urgency in order to prospects, your prospective sellers, your prospective buyers to bring the sale together. But who's the first person you can create the urgency in? Yourself. Yourself. And of course, if they're casual about it like some days ago it just basically yeah okay I wander into the office at 10 o'clock and stand around a water cooler and chew the fat and maybe make a few calls and the boss has tossed me a file to open this this, this property and it's a bit of a tough one and you know, oh, yeah okay spoke to a few people it's all over what's what's the point you know why spend the hours so, some, so the issue what you're saying is some people have got urgency and want and desire and, and from that, everything tears down. I mean, you, you, it's great to skill up. It's terrific to uh, read motivational books or, or you know, books to help you skill up, attend seminars. Um, but what we're talking about is somebody who is, as I said earlier, acting like a sponge, taking as much information in about their craft 
as they possibly can. It may simply be observing the best person in your office that goes about their business in a, in a very straightforward fashion and, and seeing what they're doing and maybe applying some of their techniques to what you do daily. But it's the want and the desire to do it that will drive your career ahead. It's not sort of like it's going to land in your lap that, uh, you know, I'm having a terrible month, I haven't had any files handed to me to sell this month. Right. Well, I think you've summed that up very well. I mean, we're talking to a guy, uh, Greg Hocking, that's built an iconic brand and has resurfaced three years later, as hungry as ever, has more or less said that someone can show you what to do and how to do it, but the want, the desire, can't be outsourced, can't be delegated. That comes from from within. From within. Uh, finally, Greg, what's the best bit of advice Greg Hocking would give Greg Hocking if he was starting in real estate on day one? Because there's a lot of people that are in their first or second year in real estate now, and hearing some words of wisdom from someone like you would be a good 60 seconds for him. What one bit of advice would you give to yourself if you were starting in day one in real estate again? I think you just have to be prepared to make the sacrifices necessary and put the timing over that first year, two, three years to consolidate yourself, get a, get the proper skill set to then springboard your career because it's that, that real intensive first two to three years of doing as much as you can absolutely right that sets up your career for the balance of the time you're in real estate. You don't get that foundation right, forget it. Okay, guys and girls, you've heard it. Greg Hocking saying it. Great agents do things that others don't do today so they can have things that others won't have tomorrow. Thank you so much, Greg. Thanks, Tom. Thank you.